Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. It's good to be back, huh? Yes. We, uh, the priests of our diocese, were given permission by Bishop Siegel last week to uh, get away if we, if we could. And so those of us who planned ahead canceled masses and got out of here. I went with a few priests down to a cabin on a lake um, and just spent some time praying and reading and campfires and cigars and anyways, you know, good old priest stuff with, with my brothers. And it was really re, uh, rejuvenating. It was really good. So thank you for your patience and thank you for your prayers while we were gone last week. Tonight we celebrate the feast day of the North American Martyrs, a group of men who came over from Europe to, uh, to bring the faith to people who were here. And all of them in this group were killed for it. As we celebrate their memory, we also give thanks to God that people are willing to die um, for what's most important. And for the times where we've not, um, not done so ourselves, not even been willing to sacrifice, let us call to mind our sins and ask the Lord to show us his mercy. Tonight we celebrate a feast day, a feast day that only goes back, uh, well, exactly 90 years. In 1930, these men were canonized, raised to the level of sainthood because of what they did 300 years before that. The story goes like this. Isaac Jogues, John de Brebeuf, and six others were all born in the late 1500s. Those in that group who were ordained priests were ordained, almost all of them, in the 1620s, except for one person in that group who was not a priest or a monk or anything. He was a layman. These men heard the call to bring the gospel to this new world that had been founded, mostly in kind of northern New York State. They could really use some more gospel there, huh? (laughs) Anyways, mostly there and then into French-speaking Canada, as we know it now, Quebec, that area. As they heard this call that they were summoning more Jesuits to go forth and spread the gospel, these men all resolved, most of them immediately after ordination, that if a summons came forth, if a ship opened up, they were getting on and they were going. And they did. These men sailed across the Atlantic Ocean back then, which would have been an awful experience, first of all, in itself, to a people who did not speak their language, a language that they themselves did not know, to eat foods that didn't agree with their system, to live in huts that they didn't even own, that they had to build, and all of this on top of trying to convince people who have never heard of Christ or of God as we know God in general to convert and follow him. They did it anyway. And in the late 1920s and 30s and 40s, that's what these people did every day. They sat around campfires and just tried to learn things like, how do you say apple? <laughs> so they could eventually get to Adam and Eve with an apple, you know? They tried the food. They, they tried to sleep on the floor. They tried to put the pain on their faces. They tried to enculturate themselves so as to bring Christ to them, to meet them where they are so they could bring them somewhere else. While this was going on, they were working mostly with the Huron uh, native tribe, um, there was also a war from the, uh, from the Iroquois nation 
They would come in and they would try to destroy these people, these people that these men had grown to love. And Isaac Jogues, one of the uh, kind of the leaders of this band of brothers, he was captured. He was enslaved for 13 months by this warring tribe, the Iroquois. And they found out when he, that when they found out that he was a priest, they watched him what he did. And they saw that he used his thumb and his finger for everything. Back in the old mass, you were only allowed to touch the Eucharist with those two, and then you had to keep them together and then pick up the chalice with your other fingers. Have you ever seen that? Whenever you anoint someone, you use your thumb, you know, the priestly fingers. And so as part of their torture of Isaac Jogues, father Isaac Jogues, they let children gnaw his thumb and finger off. So he couldn't say mass anymore. After 13 months of being enslaved and tortured by these Native Americans that he was trying to preach to, the Dutch intervened, set him free, and he was back on a ship headed to France, his homeland. When he arrived, he arrived as if he was already a saint, you know. Here's this living martyr, someone who had already given his whole life, someone who didn't even have fingers left, or at least not all of them. And whenever, they, whenever he settled down at home and saw his family again, they said, now what are you going to do? Do you want to perish in the diocese, you know? And he said, I want to go back. He wrote a letter to Pope Urban VIII, who was the supreme pontiff at the time, the, the man actually Urban VIII, um, he would eventually, it would eventually be a college in Rome named after him called the Urbanianum. That's the place where Father Augustus Tolton, the very first black man to go to seminary from the United States, was sent to go study for priesthood. Anyways, that Pope wrote back to him and said, even if you don't have your fingers, whatever part of your hand can pick up a host and can pick up a chalice and can anoint and baptize, you have, you're, you're dispensed, you can do whatever you want to do as a priest, you know, like you, you've earned it. And he said, thank you, now I can return. He hopped back on another ship, sailed back across the sea a couple years after he had been back in France. When he arrived back into the New World, he was summarily rounded up by a different Native American tribe, the Mohawks, I think, and they immediately decapitated him, killed him. That was it. Meanwhile, his other companions who were there, John de Brebeuf being one of them, Likewise, continue to try to labor to bring the gospel to these people. We, you know, right now, there's a lot of really bad press about the, uh, about the Christians who try to bring the gospel to the people in the United States. They're pulling down statues of Sarah in California and elsewhere. They're, they're trying to take away all, these, all this, his, this history, right, of things that were formed. And make no bones about it. Christian men and women, priests and laity, have done bad things in the name of our faith, or ostensibly in the name of our faith. But those guys weren't one of them. Anyways, in one of John de Brebeuf, the priest, in one of his letters, he writes back home. And most people, when they wrote back, they said, these people are savages, and they're crazy, and they, you know, all this kind of stuff. He never once complained about them. In fact, we have one of his letters, and it says, These people that we are preaching to, they know how to love. They know how to sacrifice. And they're willing to die for each other. They know how to love. They know how to sacrifice. And they're willing to die for each other. And with those three things, John de Brebeuf said, they're able to accept Christianity and they're able to live it. I know it. 
One day, uh, whenever Brebeuf was trying to baptize more people in the city, he was rounded up uh, by Native Americans who were against his ways. He was tied to a pole. They took boiling water off of a fire, and they said, do you want to be baptized? And they dumped it on top of his head. Then they cut off part of his scalp. They began to torture other parts of his body while he had to watch. And while all this was happening, while all this was happening, the native peoples were amazed because not one curse word or scream or angry tone came from his voice. All he did as someone approached him with a knife was to say, Lord, bless him. Lord, forgive him. Lord, convert her. Lord, help her to see. He just kept praying for for them. He kept asking for blessings on the people who were torturing him for four hours long. And as the native people saw this, they realized there was something different about this man, something that they couldn't have in themselves. And so they decided to cut out his heart and to eat it, to try to possess some semblance of the courage and love and grace that was alive in this Christian person. You know, I I find it almost ironic or powerful (laughs) that people would look at a priest and say, there's something so good about him that I want to eat his heart. It's what we do, is it not? There's something so good about him that I want him to to dwell in me because I can't do it without him. I need to partake of the Lord's body. I need to drink his blood so that some of that life, capital L, might finally get through my savage heart, my savage mind, my savage ways. These men all died. Actually, I even brought their names here. You know, we, uh, we always joke, I should just do the guys in the house. They said, you know, today's the feast day of two saints and their companions. You know, you don't feel, you still feel so bad for the companions, you know? Like, if, uh, like if, I, you know, if I'm at the diocese or something and the bishop and something happens there, it'll be, you know, St. Joseph Siegel and companions. I'll just get lost in the and companions, you know? <laughs> so I brought their names. Uh, I brought their names. Here, here's who they are. It's uh, Isaac Jogues, uh, de Brebeuf, Anthony Daniel, Gabriel Lallemand, Charles or Charles Gamier, Noel Chanimbal, John Lalande, and now he, he was the layman, and Rene Goupil. And Rene, that guy, he was deaf. He came over here deaf, still wanting to evangelize people. You think you got a cross. The Lord calls us to use everything we've got. Anyways, in the gospel tonight that that's just happens to be on this Monday night, there's a story about a rich man. He looks around and he says, look at all the things that I have. And he starts buying up barns and storing all his wealth. And he says to himself, he says to himself, he says, self, look at how wonderful I am. I'm going to sit here and enjoy my own company. And in that moment, In that moment, he condemns himself to hell. Because if we're not looking outward at what's possible at a new world, 
If we're not looking outward at the gifts that God has given us and say, how do I bring this to someone else? If we're not, if we're not desiring to eat the body and blood of Christ and have him dwell in us, then we're going to sit around in our own company. And I don't know about you, that'd be a pretty miserable life. Tonight we celebrate the feast day of men, of men who said, if they can love and they can sacrifice and they're willing to die, well, then they can be Christian. And perhaps those three things are a good measure for ourselves tonight.